Welcome to the Females on Fire podcast. I'm Haley Luckadoo, educator, website designer, wedding planner, and big dreamer who took a hobby business born out of a college dorm room and turned it into a successful multi-business empire. I run on hard work and Dr. Pepper, and if it comes in pink, you better believe I want it. This podcast is for women in almost any industry who want the resources and inspiration to do what sets their soul on fire. I'll interview women who are exceptional at what they do to bring you the tools and knowledge that you need to succeed and to create the life you dream of. Welcome back to another episode of Females on Fire. I am so excited about today's episode because we are going to be answering so many questions about copyrights and trademarks because today we have trademark attorney Andrea Sager on with us. So Andrea, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited about this. We're definitely excited to have you. That's for sure. So start off by telling our audience a little bit about who you are and what made you want to be a trademark attorney and just let them know your whole story. All right. So I, first of all, I'm super excited about this. Um, I actually just moved back to Texas and that's really a big part of who I am. I was born and raised right outside of Houston. And when I graduated from high school. I, I moved to Kentucky. I moved to Eastern Kentucky, basically the smallest town ever. And so I was going from Houston to Kentucky. It's Pikeville, Kentucky. It was a big culture shock. And I basically, in order to avoid getting homesick and quitting and coming back home, which I refused to do, I got involved in possibly everything. And I mean, everything under the sun which included the military. I joined the Kentucky National Guard. I joined ROTC there on campus. And that that experience alone really shaped who I am today. And that really got me motivated to go to law school because I wanted to be a JAG officer. Never thought about intellectual property, never thought about copyrights, never thought about trademarks. But I knew I wanted to go to law school because I wanted to be a JAG officer. So that's what I did. I commissioned as an officer and then I went to law school. Well, I also met my husband in college and he was also in the military. Well, long story short, he ended up being active duty and I ended up reverting back to the National Guard instead of being a full-time Uh, active duty JAG officer. So in law school, I was planning to just, you know, take it easy, just do enough to, you know, be a JAG officer in the army. And then once my husband went active duty, it was kind of like, crap, like I have to get my stuff together. Like I really have to excel to get a good job. So that's what I did. I was like, okay, I have to get a good job. I have to do this, have to do that. And I'm the type of person when like I have a plan in my head, like I make it happen. I do whatever it takes to make it happen. So I got the grades 
did everything under the sun and I ended up getting like the best job like for a first year attorney in Cincinnati. And it was incredible. I, you know, I was like, Oh, this is my dream job. I'm set for life, blah, blah, blah. So then I started my job and I absolutely hated it. And when I say I hated it, I mean, came like went home and had a glass of wine every night or a margarita every night. And it was, it just wasn't for me. And, and I hated feeling that way because I worked so hard and I I just felt like I worked so hard to get where I was to get that job. And then I got it and it was just like, wow, this, this sucks. Like I hate this. (laughs) But in the meantime, when I was in law school, I actually opened up my own clothing boutique. So I had a women's clothing boutique. It was online. And then I opened a brick and mortar store. And so when I started my job at the law firm, I was doing both. I was, you know, working at the law firm and then I was also, you know, own, I owned the store. So it all, I was also very overwhelmed very quickly, but that's also how I've always been. I've just put way too much my plate, which has been my downfall. But finally, I, you know, I made the determination. I said, okay, it's time to sell the store. But once I started working at the firm, I had a big community of boutique owners and they would often come to me for work. And the area of work that they need the most help with was copyrights and trademarks. So it was kind of one of those things where you know, you find your target audience and then you serve them. And I, you know, being an entrepreneur, I'd always heard of that, but I just never understood how it worked until I actually saw it and I experienced it. So I actually sold the store and I ended up leaving that firm after only seven months because I was actually at the firm and I was bringing on a new client and I was so excited. I was like, oh, I'm a you know new attorney. I am bringing in a new client. Like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to be a rock star. No, <laughs> not a rock star because it was a larger firm and they wanted quote unquote high quality clients and my multi six figure clients who didn't have an issue paying their rates was not a high quality client. So that was pretty much the moment for me where I was like, yeah, this is not working out that, you know, I'm going to have to do something else. And I wanted to go out on my own and open up my own firm. But of course, you know, I was scared, you know, it's a big step. And at the time my husband was staying home with our son. He, we, we had him in my last semester of law school. We planned it out that way. It was perfect. And so he was staying home So it was kind of like, you know, go from this big firm to making, you know, great money. And then I want to open my own firm where I could possibly be making no money. And our, my husband had always, he made good money with the army supporting me while I was in law school. So we had never truly been dependent on an entrepreneur income. So that was very scary. But we also decided to leave Cincinnati. We were in the, by this time we were in the Cincinnati area and we decided to move to Texas back to close to my family. So that's what we did. Literally packed up 
sold the business, sold our house, did everything within like a matter of weeks. And then we ended up here in Houston. And so I started my firm officially like the end of April, very beginning of May. And it has been just a dream come true. It's been an awesome journey. I've learned so much. I've grown so much in just that time. And it's just, it's truly been an honor to be able to work daily with small businesses, whether they be, you know, multi six figures, you know, barely launching, whoever they may be. It's, it's incredible that I get to serve them and help them through what can be a very scary topic, which I don't believe it's very scary, but I understand that people believe that it's a very scary topic just because people hear about, oh, Apple and Samsung, they're in this IP battle. It's, you know, a million billion dollar battle. So like, yeah, it's intimidating, but it it doesn't have to be. And I love that I get to spread my knowledge and help other entrepreneurs like me. So that's pretty much how I got where I am. (laughs) I love that. I, I feel like I say this a lot on the show because we get so many women who this applies to, but I just love that you saw a need for something in the market. And so you filled it and it became a really great business venture for you. I always say, I feel like that's how the best businesses get started is when you really, you know, see somebody struggling with something or you hear about them struggling with something and you decide that you're in a place to solve their problem and to fix it for them. And it works out for you and it works out really well. So I love how you got to this place. And I love that you're taking something that, like you said, is kind of scary to everybody else and making it not so scary and a little bit easier to deal with. Because I know, I mean, I've filed for a trademark, so I know what that process looks like and how terrifying it is and how long (laughs) it is. And I wish I had hired somebody and So I I love that you're just, you're serving people in that way and that it's worked out so well for you. Yeah. Like I, I'm seriously so in love with what I do every single day and it's just pretty much just a dream come true because I've never had one day where I'm just like, Oh, I dread working today. And when I was working at the law firm, it was just every single day. I was like, Oh, got to get out of bed. Got to get ready. Go, you know, go to a job that I hate. And now, I mean, it's a lot easier to get out of bed and, you know, come to my couch to work. Cause I do have a, a virtual firm, which is very nice. And a luxury to me, but, um, seriously, like it's, it's incredible. I love what I do and I love just educating people because so many people just don't, they don't know about copyrights and trademarks. And if you're an entrepreneur, to me, it's just such an important area to know about because I mean, you could screw yourself and you can be out of business if you don't know the differences. Definitely. I just love that you were willing to take that chance too, because so many people wouldn't have, and they just would have sat in that job that they hated waking up to every morning and just continued to do it. And so I love, you know, that you were willing to take the risk and that, you know, your family was willing to kind of stand along with you and take that risk because so many people just don't do it. And I mean, life is too short to not be happy. So I absolutely love that. I love that part of your story. That's so awesome. So let's dive right in because I have tons of questions for you that I know our listeners are dying to have answers to. So just start off by telling us, you know, what is the difference between a copyright and a trademark? Because I know a lot of people confuse the terms and they're not really sure when you need a copyright versus when you need a trademark. So can you just kind of explain the differences there? 
Yes, yes. This is absolutely one of the biggest misconceptions amongst entrepreneurs. So basically, the easiest way to remember the difference between the two is a copyright is your creative works and your trademark is your branding. So when you think of copyright, you think creative, trademark, you think branding. So a copyright, that is all of your creative works, your photography, your blog posts, your designs, um, you know, any content that you create, all of that is covered by a copyright. Um, I mean, there's a million different things that can be covered by a copyright, but those are a lot of the big ones. And then trademarks, that is anything that identifies your brand. So the big ones for that are your brand name, your logo, and your slogan. So those, that's really the main difference. It's very basic, but that's the easiest way to remember is copyrights, that's your creativity, and then trademarks, that's your branding. Oh, that's so easy. Right? <laughs> it's usually so complicated for everybody to understand. And I mean, I know the difference, but I've even found myself like using the words interchangeably sometimes. And so you made it so simple. Yeah, I try to break it down as easy as possible and to be as understandable as possible because a lot of people do overcomplicate it, which it can it can get very complicated, don't get me wrong. But for most people, they just need to understand just the basic difference, you know, your copyright. Okay. Is this a creative work? You know, I'm okay. I'm writing a blog post. Uh, I'm writing this, you know, long Instagram caption, you know, that's your, that's copyright. That's your creativeness. And then your brand name, you know, um, maybe you have your online coach and you have a new coaching program like that. All of that is trademarks because that's your branding. Right. So simple. So you mentioned, you know, like photographs and blog posts when you said about copyrights. I just have sort of a quick question on that, and this may turn into a longer answer than I anticipate, which is totally fine. But do you need to, let's say you're a photographer and you're taking hundreds of pictures for every single session that you do. Do you need to file for a copyright for every single one of those photos or say you're a blogger, do you need to have a copyright on every single blog post or how does that process work? What does that actually look like? So photographers, there's, well, okay. So for photographers, they kind of have not a loophole, but the copyright office recognizes that there are professionals such as photographers that have, you know, they can have thousands and thousands of works from one session. So because of that, the copyright office allows a multi-filing, which basically there's very specific requirements to meet that, but photographers almost always fall under that. So for one photography session, they can register every single photo under one application. Interesting. I did not know and, that. Yeah, that, that saves them a lot of time and money because, so if you're working with an attorney, you'll have different, you know, the attorney will have their fee, but if you file the copyright on your own, a single application is, it's only $55. So in actuality, it's not 
very much money. It's only $55 for one registration. And I find those very helpful for designers. Like I, so I have a lot of retail clients, a lot of fashion designers and the single registration there that really helps them with, you know, registering a single design because that one design can, you know, that can make them a lot of money. Well, for photographers, a lot of times, you know, one photo can make them a lot of money, but a lot of times they're registering or they're wanting to protect multiple photos and it's multiple photos from one session. So they have this multi-filing application available to them. And it's not only available to photographers, but that's really the main profession that it falls under. Right. That's so interesting. I've always wondered how that works because I'm like, gosh, if you had to pay for a copyright for every single picture you took, that would be so much money. So yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. And a lot of people, so one of the big questions you may, you might have already had this on your list to ask, but a lot of people ask, do I have to register my work? And you don't have to register your copyright at all. You have copyright protection from the moment the work is published. So, you know, you, you take your photos and they're not published yet until you publish them. That means you provide them to a third party. Either you provide them to a third party, you post them online, you make them available basically to someone other than yourself. And that's when they're published. And once they're published, you have copy, you have the copyright protection. Now you still do want to file a registration because there's several reasons, but as an attorney, the main reason my clients want to register is because if we have an issue, a copyright issue and somebody's infringing, well, if you have that copyright before, if you have the registration before someone infringes, then you're eligible for what's called statutory damages. And basically that means, it it means really two big things. Number one is it's basically an easier lawsuit for you. It's easier for you to prove. It's easier for you to win. Um, And then you're also eligible for attorney fees. So if you have, if you're eligible for statutory damages and you sue someone, the other party has to pay your attorney fees, which is huge because you have to, you have to spend the time and money to sue this person because they don't want to cooperate. So because of that, they have to pay your attorney fees, which is huge. And even if you think, oh, I don't want to sue anybody, trust me, I don't want to sue anybody. <laughs> um, the registration and being eligible for statutory damages is a big bargaining chip in the settlement process because basically what happens is I have a client come to me and they say, so and so, you know, this party is infringing on my photo, my work, my design, whatever it may be, they're infringing. Well, if they have the registration, it's, you know, the other party is basically just ridiculous if they don't want to settle. And when I say settle, they remove the work, they stop selling and they pay a settlement because a lot of people think you have to sue in order to get damages. Well, they're liable for damages the moment they infringe on your work. So for my clients, I really push for a settlement before litigation, which is the lawsuit. We don't, I don't, I don't actually sue people. My clients 
if they have if it's to that point where they have to sue someone in order to get their damages i refer that out to somebody else because that's just a whole new ball game and not something i want to deal with but um so we i handle the whole pre-litigation process which is you know sending the cease and desist letters and then negotiating with the other party to obtain a settlement for my client and that registration is what really helps to get that settlement wow lots of information yeah. <laughs> so I, I love this conversation because it's not an easy conversation. Like, I love that you're just willing to open up and be like, this is the process. This is what it looks like. If you end up having to sue somebody, here's how it works. And that's just that. And it may happen and it may not, but here's the information. Because so many people are like, oh no, I'm never going to have to sue anybody. And they don't even want to talk about it. And right. so I love that we're having this conversation right now because I know there's going to be so many people listening who are like, well, I hope I never have to sue anybody, but at least now I know what the process looks like. So this is awesome. I love this. So something you said, I, it did kind of bring up a question. So I do want you to kind of touch on this a little bit. You mentioned infringement a lot. So just for people who maybe don't know what that is, or maybe they know what it is, but they're not a hundred percent sure on what it actually covers. Can you just explain what infringement is in regard to copyrights and trademarks and then kind of let us know what you should do if somebody does infringe on that protection. Yes. Good question. So for copyright infringement, this is where someone steals your work. Basically, if you have a photograph, somebody reposts that photo without your permission. So basically that means without a license because if you have a license and you have permission, there's no infringement issue there. But if you don't have any type of permission, then it's infringement, no matter what. A lot of people, I don't want to scare anybody right here because a lot of people are going to be like, oh my gosh, I repost photos all the time on Instagram or Facebook. So like, I don't want to scare you, but you do have to be aware because if you're doing it for business purposes, you can get in a lot of trouble. So this is why you know, sometimes stock photos can be a big issue because you think you have a license, but maybe it's the wrong type of license or maybe, you know, they, you know, somebody said it was a stock photo, but it's really not a stock photo. There can be a million different things that happen there, but basically infringement for photographs is when somebody uses your photo without permission for other things such as designs uh, I, you know, I said I work with a lot of fashion designers. They, they have their designs. Well, people think there's some mythical 30% rule out there that somebody made up and said, oh, if I change this design up 30%, then it's not copyright infringement. Well, that's not the case because there's no set in stone percentage. So even if you, you know, you see this design and you're using it for quote unquote inspiration, you can still be liable for copyright infringement. It doesn't have to be an exact copy. If it, if the two designs are substantially similar, then you could be liable to the original for copyright infringement. So, you know, for photographs, it's an, you know, if they use your photo and it, and if you, you know, use somebody else's design and use their exact copy, then that also is copyright infringement. But the one that trips a lot of people up is when they try to change a design up just a little bit 
and they don't, they think they're free of copyright infringement, but that's not the case. So if you want to steer clear of copyright infringement, then you have to be original. Whether you're a designer, you have to create your own designs. If you are a content creator, you have to take your own photos, get your own content. You have to really really try and do what you can to create your own content with your, you know, have a photographer on call, whatever it takes, because you just, you can't use photos that you find on Google or Pinterest. It's copyright infringement and more and more content creators, such as photographers and designers, they are going after infringers because with all the, you know, there's so much software these days it's so much easier to find infringers. So the infringers, they're they're finding out very quickly that they have to pay damages and that can easily put them out of business. So that's, that's basically the copyright infringement part. For trademark infringement, trademark infringement occurs when you have two businesses they're in the same kind of in the same area of operation. Maybe they're selling the same type of goods or services, and then they have the same or a similar business name. And, you know, if it's the same name, you know, no question, it's same name, same goods that they're selling, then that somebody's infringing on someone else's trademark. Now, if it's a different name, but it's still similar, the test there is does this cause consumer confusion? And if it does, then that is trademark infringement. A lot of, um, I get a lot of questions because I have clients come to me all the time and, you know, they start their business. They, you know, they think they spent a lot of time or enough time searching and, oh, you know, this domain was available or I searched Google and nobody had this name. So, you know, I'm free from infringement. Well, yes, that's smart to search that, but you're still not free, you're not necessarily free from trademark infringement because you still have to check and do an official trademark search in order to know whether your name is likely to cause confusion with another brand name. So this is I'm trying to get people to really understand this, that it's very, very important to run a trademark search. And it's, it's not as expensive as you may think, but it's so critically important. Like this, the, to me, the search is the most important part of the trademark process. Even if you don't want to file an application to have a registered trademark, that's fine. But you have to run the trademark search because I can't tell you how many people come to me after, you know, even just a few weeks of opening their business and they receive a cease and desist letter saying, hey, you're infringing on my trademark, whether it be common law or registered, you're infringing, you have to change your name. And they're upset because they thought, you know, I, you know, I did my research, nobody had this name. And then they say, well, mine is plural, theirs isn't, um, you know, one word is different. And it, most of the time it doesn't matter it's similar enough that it causes confusion. And that's where a lot of people get tripped up about trademark infringement because they think, oh, it's not the same name. It's not trademark infringement. Well, it doesn't have to be the same name. The test is whether it causes consumer confusion. 
good to know. Gosh, that is so good. I love this information. Yeah, sorry, I just gave everybody an earful. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't be sorry. This was so good because I know this is really the part that confuses people. And this is the part we get questions about all the time. And so this is really the part that I wanted you to answer. So I'm glad that it was a nice explained out kind of answer because just constantly I'm, you know, scrolling through Facebook and seeing posts in Facebook groups where it's like, oh, this person stole my picture or this person is using my business name. What do I do? And just seeing it all the time. And so I love that now there's an actual answer to this question. And now I can just be like, oh, we did an episode on this. You should listen to it. <laughs> so no, that's totally good. Totally good. So just sort of follow up question. So how does that work in terms of social media? And I know this may be kind of tricky to answer, but for example, if somebody, if you've got like a trademark on your business name and then somebody goes and creates like an Instagram username with that business name, is that trademark infringement or is it different because it's on Instagram? So it probably is trademark infringement. And this is another big thing that I am trying to get people sold on is once you have a trademark registration, I mean, this is, you know, it has to be the federal registration, but once you have the registration, you can give that registration to Instagram and Facebook and they will shut that other page down. So basically I'm, I'm trying to tell people, cause I mean, it's the same for all platforms, Etsy, Instagram, Facebook, Amazon, eBay. If there's a business that's operating or a page name and they're operating that causes confusion with your brand name, you can essentially shut down an online business just by having a trademark registration. You don't have to sue. You don't even have to send a cease and desist letter but you do need to have the trademark registration. And when I say you don't have to send a letter, you don't have to you know, sue anybody. I mean, it's basically just you, you can do this yourself. I do it for a lot of my clients, but you can do this yourself. You have your registration, reach out to Instagram, reach out to Facebook, whoever it may be. And they, they usually have their own reporting form and you just fill out the necessary information, give them the registration number and they shut that other page down. Like it's incredible how quick these things are happening and people just, I don't know if they don't understand it or they don't want to spend the money on the trademark, but I'm trying to tell them like, just get this registration and you'll save so much money in the long run because you don't have to spend several hundred dollars sending a cease and desist letter, going through that whole process to make them, you know, change their name here or there. Just go straight to the platform. Even if it's a website if it's, you know, say if it's a Shopify website, a WooCommerce, whatever it may be, go to the platform, the service provider, give them your registration and they will shut the page down. I definitely think that it's the fact that people don't know because I know so many people who would be willing to spend the money on a trademark. They just honestly don't know that they're supposed to be doing it. So I definitely think that answered a lot of questions because I know, <laughs> I know that was my question. I was like, well, if you have a trademark, I know that covers if somebody wants to open a brand new business with that name, but does it really cover you on social media? So that's really good to know. That's good information to have. Yeah. I mean, it covers social media, all the platforms, 
so, cause I'm telling people, I got to tell clients all the time, even if they're on the border, you know, on the fence about wanting to register, I tell them like, you don't even have to use me to shut these pages down. You can do that yourself, but you really, you have to take the time and spend the money to register your trademark now. And I tell clients all the time, yes, it costs money. Yes, it takes time, but I guarantee you will spend less money in the long run by having the registration now than having to fight someone now and then file your registration because you you know you waited for an issue to come up and so now you decide to file your regist- you know file your application. It just it costs so much less money in the long run to file your application up front. Right. That definitely makes sense. Gosh, this is so good. So last question, can you just kind of explain what the process looks like for that application? So what, I mean, you know, you just mentioned that people can do it themselves, but do you recommend that they hire an attorney, whether they do or don't, what sort of information are they going to have to have available to put in the application? How long does that process take? Just can you give us kind of an idea of what that process looks like? Because I think that's what is so scary to people is they're afraid of the process. Yes, totally. So for copyright applications, those tend to be a lot easier than trademark applications only because there's no back and forth. And you may need a little, um, it may take a while at first if you're doing it by yourself to really get the application right for your copyright. But I mean, I even have clients, if they have a number of applications that they need to file for a copyright, you know, I tell them, you know, let's, you know, we can do a sit down and I can do a live training video for you to show you and walk you through one application. And then you can, um, you know, refer back to that. That way you can file your own applications going forward because it's not hard and it's, it's not, a, it's, I mean, the application, the copyright application can take like 10 or 15 minutes, if that, but you really have to make sure you're entering the correct information, make sure you're filing, you know, for the correct type of copyright. And for the copyright, there's no back and forth, you file it, and then you hear back from, you know, it just depends how backed up the copyright office is. Right now, I mean, my registrations, I think they're taking seven to eight months. So they're kind of backed up right now, but sometimes they can be as little as, you know, five months. And if you have an issue, like if you may have to sue someone, you can pay an expedited fee and they will have that returned to you within, I think, like two weeks. So it can be really quick, but I think that fee is like $800. So I only suggest that, and actually they will only do it if litigation is imminent. So basically if you're going to have to sue someone, then they will do the expedited fee. Now for trademarks, I, I don't suggest going at this alone plenty of people have done it but it is since there are so many more trademark applications and so many more registrations it's getting harder to be approved because there's there's more issues there's more brands that can cause confusion so there's more office actions which is the refusals that they issue so some you know people still get lucky they make it through no problem but i highly suggest working with an attorney because they can and even if you don't want to file um file with the attorney at least 
like I said, run the search with an attorney because they know what to look for. They know how to tell you, you know, what can come up, what issues you might face. Um, my searches, they, you know, I give a level of risk that you're facing and that level of risk basically tells you, am I going to have to spend more money down the road getting this approved because you may run into this issue or that issue. And yes, it's an issue that we have to overcome. And I think you'll still get approved, but you have to know that you'll probably have to spend more money. So that's why the search is just incredibly important. That's so awesome. Yeah. I mean, I did a trademark application myself and luckily it got approved, but gosh, looking back, I'm like, I wish I had just hired somebody for that because just to do the research leading up to the application, just to make sure I would get it approved, I would have saved so much time and so many efforts in just hiring somebody. So I always, every time people ask me now, I'm like, oh my gosh, just hire somebody for it. It's going to you know, it may be a little more money that you weren't planning on spending to hire somebody, but gosh, you're going to get your life back. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah, All I did, I mean, just night and day was researching, you know, what I would need for this and how to put it in and what, you know, risks I was looking at if, if I put it in and I didn't get approved and all these kinds of things. So I always recommend hiring somebody for sure. Cause it is, it's a little bit daunting of a process. Yeah, it is. And the trademark process, like, so the copyright office, basically they'll tell you, yes, you're approved or not. The trademark office, they tell you, uh, so, you you know, you file the application and then between three and four months is when they'll either approve your application to go on to the next step or they will issue an office action, which is a refusal. And that refusal, it can be something simple where you just have to, you know, do something really quick or it can be a substantive refusal, which is when you do have to spend more money to provide, you know, that substantive response to, in order to be approved and, or hopefully get approved. But that whole process, like there's so many things that can come up. And I mean, the application can take, you know, more than a year, sometimes longer than that, depending on what's going on. But yeah, it's, it's just so much easier to outsource that to an attorney because you, you don't have the burden of worrying about it. And the time that it takes you to learn about all of that, I mean, you would have made that money in your business just by, if you would have just hired that out. Exactly. A hundred percent. So agree with that because I've been there and I've done it and I'm like, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yes. So, so true. Definitely outsource that. If you're thinking about getting a trademark, hire Andrea for sure. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this was so good. Oh, this was so insightful. So much good conversation and good content here for everybody. And I know we answered a lot of questions that our listeners have been wondering. So since it's the end of the episode, I do have a quick little lightning round for you that I do with everybody. And it's just fun little questions that I'm curious about. So are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Awesome. What is the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? Oh gosh. The, well, lately it's been go get my son out of bed because I'm very pregnant and my husband has been taking him to school. But um, in order for my husband to take him to school, I have to get him ready. So I just roll out of bed and go wake him up. <laughs> <laughs> Fun times. Uh, so what is the last book that you read? The last book that I read? Profit First. Yes, I reread that 
just last month, I had to spend all day at the DMV getting my new Texas license. Fun. And And I literally read that whole book while I was there that day. That's awesome. (laughs) I'm a fast reader, so I, I can appreciate when people read an entire book in a day. So what is one item or product that you recommend to everyone? Candles. Candles are totally my thing. And I am obsessed with Bath and Body Works candles. I love it. Uh, I love it. I have so many candles around my office. And we actually, when we moved, my husband, it was so funny because I packed all the candles up in a box and he looked at it and he was like, why do we have so many candles? (laughs) Except I usually get them from Target. So he's like, why do we have so many candles? You're not allowed to go to Target anymore. I'm like, I'm sorry. I just love them. So I get it. I feel you. Uh, Last but not least, what is your favorite quote or the best piece of advice that you have ever been given? So my favorite quote, I actually have this as a tattoo, is everything happens for a reason. And that'll always be my favorite quote. And I love it because, and anytime I'm like down in the dumps or something bad happens, I literally just remind myself like, this is happening for a reason. And sometimes I spend too much time trying to figure out that reason, but it typically, it usually just helps knowing like there's another reason this is happening. Like it's not because you're a bad person. It's not because, you know, you did this wrong or that wrong. Maybe it is, but there's a reason and you know, you'll be fine. (laughs) I love that. You'll come out on the other side of it. Exactly. That's awesome. I love it. So tell everybody where they can find you. What's your website, you know, social media, where do you want them to go? Yeah. So I have my website, andreasager.com. You should definitely check that out. If you want more information on copyrights or trademarks, I have a great blog. Um, I try to post there several times a month and it's a lot of very helpful information. Even if you're just wanting to get a little bit more information on anything we talked about here, Um, I try to just give great value there because so many people just don't know. And I try to inform them as much as I can for free on my blog. And then I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, Andrea Sager Law, all one word, no underscores, nothing. Andrea Sager Law, find me, follow me. I'll follow you back. So yeah. Awesome. Well, Andrea, seriously, I cannot say thank you enough for coming on today and having this conversation because like I said earlier, I know it answered so many questions for some of our listeners and so many questions for me. So I'm just excited to have a little bit more knowledge on this subject now. So thank you for sharing your expertise and your time and just being willing to make this really daunting process and conversation so much easier for everybody to follow. Thank you so much for having me. I really hope everybody got something out of it. That's it for this time, ladies. But if you have just a minute, it would make my day if you would write a review and share how much you love this podcast so that we can keep bringing you the best of the best. If you're not already subscribed to the newsletter or following along on Instagram, you can find me at Haley Luckadoo on all social media and at HaleyLuckadoo.net for this episode's show notes, the blog, the shop, and pretty much all the good stuff. I'll be bringing you a new episode very soon, but until then, keep
keep reaching for those dreams that set your soul on fire.